Hello, everyone, and welcome to... Scene Partners. Oh, yes, where the scenes are fresh and the partners are not. Well, that was a very nice <laughs> little di- little thing you just did there. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. I think everyone at home appreciates that. You should talk that way for the entirety of this episode. All right, everybody, here we don't go. Do it. No, okay, don't yeah. do it. Don't okay. do it. I mean, <laughs> is that your Matthew McConaughey? No, 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 no. That would probably be closer <laughs> to like uh, like the Red Dead Redemption guy or maybe Joel oh. from The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are treading on some mighty thin ice. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know. That, that gave me some feelings. <laughs> I have a right. lot of feelings about what you just did. Speaking <laughs> of feelings, man, I love this freaking weather we're in right now. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> what is that reaction? <laughs> you just, you was a, it was a seamless transit. That, look, look at us. It's a real conversation. Two friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can I, we rename the podcast? Look at us. Two friends. Look at us. Two friends. <laughs> or don't look at us because no one sees us. Um, but yeah. Listen to it us. Is an, um, it is amazing. It is everything that I love in the world. It's is not, happening. you know, so freaking hot outside and it's the yeah. perfect warmth and you could go sit by a fire pit at in the evenings. Mm-hmm. I got to say, coming to Louisiana, coming back to Louisiana from being up north for a long time was very difficult for 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 me. Yeah. And um not that I miss the insanity of winter, but I do miss any sort of season. And so <laughs> like getting to experience, you know, part of a season this year is pretty amazing. Yeah. I've got to say. Hey, um last week's episode was a little long, huh? It it ran quite a while, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize that. I did feel a couple of times like, man, I've, have I been talking for a long time or have I just not letting Chris speak? And that's why I feel this way. No, no, I think we had equal parts. I think it evolved into a real conversation. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to listen to it again so that I remember all of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a real conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is strange. You don't think that just sitting down in front of a microphone in a room with your best friend is going to be hard to have a real conversation. I think the first the first several we were like a little trepidatious uh, yeah. about uh, approaching it like maybe we have to have these things well, these guidelines. Well, it's hard to know exactly what you're supposed to do, especially when you think everything that you say is going to be scrutinized by possibly somebody who hates you. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's kind of it's kind of like turning that off in your brain to be like, no, I'm just gonna do what I want. I think we have ten genuine listeners, and then we have six hundred and ninety definitely listeners. Oh, over ten people, <laughs> some some beverages. Eight. We definitely do owe some people. I handled some. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, yeah, definitely not doing that ever again. Um, but thank you for listening. This is Scene Partners. Yes, absolutely. Thank Today, we are going to be talking about something that Chris and I both love so very much, and that is comedy. Yes. It's probably the thing that, well, I don't know if it's the thing that made us friends, but it's definitely one of the things that we bonded over. It was the the, the playing off of one another and yeah. the timing of like understanding that, hey, it's this weird thing in comedy, especially when you work with a scene partner that you feel each other's energy mm-hmm. and it's like if i can throw something at you and you can like sort of uh, like ping pong it back it. yeah yeah you anticipate the the rhythm and it's almost like you know playing like a music musical instrument yeah. or, or like a song with somebody i love it i mean it is definitely one of those things that i think early on i realized that when you and i are hanging out 
in um like a social setting, it then becomes more or less like the Chris and Cody show of um, this <laughs> yes. is not appropriate behavior to be doing in public, but we're just having too much fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, probably not the best way to keep other friends. And it is weird how you and I always pair off <laughs> even yeah. in a group. That is that is true. <laughs> you just can't. We can't help it. It's too comfortable. We're too used to being on stage at the same time. That's true. Yes. yes. The same thing. Um, Thanks, man. And it's also like, hey, can we turn this into an audience? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is a lot of it. <laughs> Oh, that's this. This makes us seem like absolutely terrible people. I like listening to what I'm saying. No, no, like, I, oh. I admit I am a terrible person. Yes, that's true. You do admit that. <laughs> um, so one of the things I, I I can talk about comedy and and saying that I had the most fun I probably ever had at a show when I went and saw the play that goes wrong in oh New York. Oh my God, yes. And those guys, I mean, I don't think, you know, I, I think it's very easy to compare it to Noises Off from along, like the the older show Noises Off that um, every regional theater does uh, just about like yeah, yeah, once yeah. every two years, um, which I would still love to do because it is so much fun. But I thought that that was the funniest show that I had ever seen. In a theater. It's almost like Noises Off meets Buster Keaton. Yeah, it is so much <laughs> like because they have the stone face thing down. For yes. Sure. And it's just you really feel for those people like they're just trying so hard. But the, the premise of the show, I mean, I remember going to see it. And one of the reasons why I went to it was because the ticket was like 40 bucks, like 20 or 40 dollars. Oh, that's awesome. Actually, it was until we got there and I was on like the. 15th flight of stairs like I was on the, the third balcony and it was so funny I mean the minute that we got there didn't really know much about the show I knew it was a comedy but um, they orchestrated the entire event so well I mean they had thought about every moment I mean we walked in and the person that was handing in the pro handing out the programs um, walked us to our seats they just kind of like stuck with us which mm -hmm. I thought was a little crazy but it was cool they handed us a program and they just walked us up all of those stairs and the entire time they were complaining and just about like, oh man, you must not have spent too any money on this. And I was really genuinely <laughs> like, man, this person is like super rude. So we got to our seats and they were like, all right, well, we're, uh, we're going to go back down. And they just turned around and walked off. And I realized in that moment that they were a part of the show. Oh, and that's awesome. we sat down and Every single person, I mean, you could see the stage manager. They had them in a separate booth and they still had like it was go it was like going to it was like going to um a really sad, very last minute community theater production. <laughs> is the only thing that I can compare it to. And that's kind of their premise. But the whole time, like you're watching the show, I was and and that really I think it's probably even funnier if you are a theater artist because you're like, oh my god, I've been in that show. Yes. And they're like running on stage and they're painting things at the last minute. And they're like people running on and literally like hammering or screwing like a board down while the audience is sitting there. And they're just trying, they're like looking back out at the audience they're trying to get things done. And they're like taping things. And there was this thing on the wall that kept falling down. So the show began the minute you walked through the door, which I just absolutely love. Uh, see, I love that immersion already. Yeah, I love it so much because you become invested. Because even while you're sitting there waiting for the show to begin, you have something to watch. There is something going on from the minute that you get there. Yeah. And you don't have to engage with it, but it is really, really funny. 
Um, and then they would use the stuff that they were fixing in the beginning of the show would always break during the show. Love so it. if you actually were paying attention <laughs> to the beginning, it. it like it all came back full circle. But it is such a funny, funny premise. Um, and what was so cool is that I realized the other day on Amazon is that they have on Amazon Prime um, looking for a sponsorship. Amazon Prime, absolutely. Thank um, you. Thank you for sponsoring us. Um, they're not sponsoring us, but thank you. Not for yet. Future sponsorship. Um, they uh, they have the show that goes wrong. Yes. And I texted you to watch it. And I and did. I've only seen the first two episodes and because I think four. Lexi was so tired of me <laughs> laughing. But you watched four episodes. Yeah. I don't even know the premise of the the next two, the, but I'm. Excited I think there's about six them. total. And in watching it, you know what it super reminded me of, and what I love, and it's the thing that got me like pretty much into performing. Period. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid watching these old Laurel and Hardy. Um, oh um, yeah, comedies. It's so and it old reminds school. me so much of that. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, live action. It's not a filmed gag. It is the gag happens in the moment. In the moment. And you and like you said, you've been in that show where things go wrong, and you're just like, how? <laughs> how do I fix this? How do you fix this? Like the guy in that one episode has this funny exit, and I don't want to spoil it for people that watch, but. I actually had to stop because I was laughing so hard I was in tears. Now, you and I are pretty good laughers as far as like if people are going to ever be famous for something. I feel like you and we're I are the would best be audience for, members yeah, anyone can we would have. Def- even at home. And it shows that we're the best audience members because even when we are alone in our own home, we're still delivering good audience participation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I had to stop after episode two because I, I genuinely think that I was annoying Lexi with how much I was laughing. <laughs> I think she was just like, oh. My gosh. And I discovered it later at night, so I was just, yeah. Even worse. It was even worse. But just their ability to not only do slapstick comedy and such like amazing physical comedy, but to have their sets interact in such a way. I mean, I watched, and I don't think it's there anymore, and I'm really sad about it, but um, they had a Peter Pan that goes wrong. Yes. And I think I sent that to you when it was still up. Yes. Yes, you did. And... I don't know how much of it you watched, but it is so brilliant the way that they handle their environment. That's how they actually got their start. And yeah, that's the, yeah, the we three talk- guys that like wrote that. And, mm. and that's amazing. It is amazing. And they got their start in a like such a, I don't know, I guess you'd call it kismet. Like yeah. Such an, an amazing, weird way. I guess we should probably mention their names. You it should is, elaborate on um, on how these three guys that you're about to mention how they how they became famous. Mm. Well, they're Henry Lewis, Henry Shields, and Jonathan Sayer. And I don't want to take any of the spotlight from you, so I will let you handle this. How dare you? <laughs> you're the person who told me this story. How they met? No, not how they met. Yes, we're gonna now tell you the story about how they met. So a long time ago, they were uh, they were actually building. There was a moisture um, farmer on the planet of Tatooine. And no, it, well, it was about a moisture <laughs> farmer, but it was it was a strange story. It was a mm. moisture farmer, a um, fire alarm salesman, and a uh, uh, professional cricket player, and they all went to a bar, and they were like. We, you know, what we should do is play Jenga, and they sat down to play Jenga, and they bumped into this other dude, and they were like, you know, mad, 
They were really mad. <laughs> I appreciate and the moment you decided to continue with I, this. <laughs> People can't see it, but that look in your eyes when you were like, no, I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to go as far as I possibly can. I could have gone. I had a whole. I had a. I had okay, a so they, they 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 played Jenga, and what happened? Oh no! I mean, they no. I, and now it's not as much fun. <laughs> I would have kept going, but it's done. It's the moment is over. So no, I was talking about whenever they were doing the Peter Pan that goes wrong, and how it was the exact same time that they were filming. Was it Star Wars? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, they J. J. weren't filming Abrams, Star, yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. No, no. J.J. Abrams, Abrams was filming Star Wars at the time, and then he happened to go see the show as like kind of his downtime. Which is amazing that a film director has downtime, by the well, way. Also, just that in his downtown downtime, that he would be like, I want to go watch a show. Yeah. That makes me love him uh, so uh, much. Absolutely. But, you know, let, let's just go ahead and just promote J.J. Abrams for a second. Yeah, I mean, how I, he, I, he's amazing. He has his hand in so many things. Yeah, I don't think I realized that until you started talking to me about this. Yeah, like he was a TV producer, and his very first film ever was uh, Mission Impossible 3, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And when you watch it now, you're just like, oh, yeah, that it's definitely J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. And then he's gone on to do these big, huge things, and then to... You would almost think that a film director wouldn't even waste their time or their downtime being in London and filming the biggest movie of that year. Right. That the movie's going to be released, that they would even waste their time going to see a local production. Mm-hmm. And there they are at the West End watching this show. It's and then they're, they're so amazed and enthralled by it that they then make connections to Broadway. Right. To then do... The show that goes wrong because he was the, the, one of the producers on it, right? Yeah, he absolutely. went up to him yeah. and, and was like, "I'm taking you to Broadway." He even went on Jimmy Fallon to promote uh, their show. Oh, I didn't realize that, goes, that. And they have this bit on Jimmy Fallon, and it is so good. I've got to, I've got to go back and watch that. Oh, I got to go and watch that. I, I'm, I'm like obsessed with them now, especially after watching the that TV show on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. No, oh, they're my all, goodness. they're all, like, I'm their biggest fan. I was their biggest fan after the show. I, I like wouldn't stop talking about it. I I'd like legitimately want to hang out with those people. I do too. I'm like maybe they would want to, you know, come to my house. <laughs> How would you guys feel on? about like, Louisiana? Would you like? I've got America, a bedroom that has some microphones and a couch, and uh, it's really just missing missing you. Just just so you know, I would make the investment to have three extra mics to talk to them. <laughs> Oh, it'd be so amazing! Uh, they're just so cool, and watching them like I'm, I'm, I feel really fortunate that I actually stumbled upon this production, and I, yeah. I watched it. I feel so like feel so lucky, and I was watching the show, and it's so crazy that feeling of watching a live production, and I, I feel like I'm invested in their success, absolutely, in a way, and not just from like the I'm also a performer or at least I attempted to do what they succeeded at so well um but that they like I I bought a ticket and I saw their show and I watched it and I saw these people in real life and I'm like oh <laughs> a, so they got an Amazon TV show like it's amazing right Ugh, it would just be so I just I and I would hope that it just keeps going going oh, for them man I hope so well they actually have a season two that's coming out. Oh, that's that's good. Of course, you researched. Uh, it. Yeah, I had to. I was. I couldn't help myself. But but the biggest moment, and I will say this for me, um, the biggest moment for me in the play that goes wrong was 
not only like their premise. I mean, the premise of the show. I don't even know if we spoke about the premise of the show. Oh yeah, let's talk about that excited. real quick. The premise of the show is that there is this small town company putting on a play, and it has been written, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, by the director, which feels right. Yes, and he's, he's the director. He's, he's like all of the things. Bean. Yeah, uh, Chris Bean. Yeah. Um, so he's like the director and he does this entire, like even his curtain speech, he comes out and does a curtain speech. Mm -hmm. And even that is amazing. He talks about their, their past productions and they're all funny. And then he like sets up the show that we're about to see. And then the show begins terribly and just every single thing goes wrong that you would expect to go wrong. They have costume malfunctions, stuff falls off the set, doors get stuck windows don't open things break um they have to have an actor gets knocked out at part of it and then a stage an assistant stage manager has to take on the role and then at one point they really enjoy taking on the role so they don't want to give it back to the girl whenever she revives herself so you have two people playing the same part at the same time just one has their <laughs> script in their hand it is so funny they do magic tricks like they have like these quick disappearing acts and then they work so well and then they purposefully mess them up so you see how they did it. Yeah. And it's just so brilliant the way that they do it. And they do the same thing in their TV show. It's it's almost like and and like you said anyone that has ever done community theater or theater period knows all of these little things that can and has, and has gone had, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and to show the audience their hand like yeah. no this is going wrong it's going wrong <laughs> it's and brilliant. when it does go right we're going to show you how we did it by messing it up <laughs> yes. i mean there was a couple of times it was like wow that that person disappeared from the middle of the stage how in the world oh and then they fell out the grandfather clock like how in the yes. world i would have never thought that they had this was the most insane thing i've probably ever seen they had a second level and an elevator to get to the second level that was like the study and the elevator was, um, it like worked to get them halfway up. And so it stopped and then they had to like open it and then crawl out onto the level. And while they're out there, they had this bit of this, this one actor that's in there. That's, um, I believe is the John Jonathan, um, Sayer. Oh yeah. That's the dude who always plays like the, the idiot one. Yeah. that you and I would fight over yeah, the we role would fight for over this guy so hard. Um, he, had this bit where he kept running into this four by four that was the last support for that level, the second level that he kept running into it, kept running into it. And so there was this moment where they're upstairs and he goes like he's going to run into it and he stops and he looks at it and he wags his finger and everybody laughs and he walks around it. And then someone else comes running in and they run past him and they run into it but they hold on to it and it goes with them so the last like support for this platform has now been removed and the platform with the two actors on it and furniture falls but it falls at like a 45 degree angle so they're sliding down and they're trying to hold all the furniture and all the other actors panic and they just leave the stage yes and then the other two people left on stage have to have a scene and so they try to continue to have the scene as they're sliding down this level that is now a slide and has like a globe bar on it and uh, um, an office chair and a desk. And they're holding all these things at the same time. 
and they go through their scene and it comes time for a cue and they're supposed to go downstairs. So they're like, well, I'll, well let's go downstairs. And they're all, they say all the same lines as if nothing is going wrong. And then the telephone rings. Which is so brilliant. It's so like, brilliant you, th- that they a, never play into the joke. There's a bit that happens in the first episode where they have to go into the kitchen and the door is locked. So yeah. they like pantomime walking. Walking in the same And they spot. deliver all the lines outside of the kitchen. Well, the best moment when they were up there was the phone rings downstairs. Yes. And the guy looks at looks at him and goes, the phone is is ringing and he goes mm. and he looks at him and he goes you should answer it and then <laughs> and, there's, and he goes oh. and so then he has no way out because he has to do it it's almost yep. like the rule of, of yes like he is yes anding everything I think mm-hmm. it's the biggest thing the yes and adhere everything. to the script so do not deviate he's trying to figure out a way to get down and not destroy everything so he like hands off the furniture that he's holding to the other guy and starts to like eek his way down <laughs> and of course plummets he gets all the way down like slams onto the stage and it's, it seems like a really long fall walks over to the telephone picks it up picks it up to his ear and guess what he says it's for you <laughs> it's the best bit i've probably ever seen in my entire life because it's so obvious what what i love about that is that you you know that they both know the script, and they're still like, "It's for you." You should answer that because you're trying to like make the other yes. actor like. Oh, but the "It's for you" was vengeance. And yeah, you could tell at the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh it, it's, it was it's, so. It's one good. of those where you're trying to like, "Hey, you need to get it together." Sort it's of. It's like the best case for dramatic irony. Like yeah. the audience knows what the actors don't, but it's like this weird flip where the actors are playing actors. And like the audience isn't on on the joke, even though they are yeah. on the joke. It's like crazy. It's it's almost like when you watch SNL and they break, mm-hmm. and it's funnier then. Yeah, and, and because y- you see these real genuine moments, and anyone that has been a part of theater period in any capacity can see this, and they're just like, yes, yeah, I have been a part of 100%. that. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't think I've ever been. Well, that's not true. I was about to say I've never been on stage with anyone vengeful. That's not true. Uh, uh, I remember Tuna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was so good, and I I thought that I was literally I was like, man, they're gonna have to get a new seat when they, I leave uh, this place. I think for that show, uh, the show that goes wrong, they won a couple of awards, didn't they? Like they the did. Lawrence Olivier. They won, yeah, they won the Lawrence Olivier Award in 2015, which is a big deal. Mm. And then they also won. Um, they won a Tony for scenic design, which makes so much sense. Oh, because they, yeah, even in the show, because I haven't seen you know the show that goes wrong, but even in the the TV show on Amazon Prime, they use every every single, single thing thing. Like, like there is not a square inch that's wasted on the set. The in every episode. Bit. I mean, I know this podcast is not about listening to two people talk about something you can watch on your own. <laughs> but the funniest bit to me in that was in the second episode where they're on the telephone and the camera's close and they have it divided and one person's on oh, one side, another one. Yes. And it's like a black divide <laughs> and it's two different desks. But there's like one moment where the girl is like, oh, I need a pen. And they just reach over through the frame and hand yes. her the pen. And then that the piece of wood falls. It's just oh, it's so good. You just have to watch it. Because if you're listening to this right now and you have not watched 
the show that goes wrong and go watch you should it. just go watch it and then re-listen to this entire thing and then the entire time you will be nodding your head so hard like you you will agree 100 percent the because you haven't seen the third i have not seen the third the episode. third episode or maybe it's the fourth i saw the the lodge Yes. I saw that one and then the World War II one. The World War II one, yes. There's one where uh they're they're in the south and it's like a Tennessee Williams type of play. Oh, that's and, exciting. And they talk about how the person who was um building the set uh had the blueprints wrong. So <laughs> one side of the set so everything is, is in a ninety degree angle. Oh no. <laughs> and then they film one part of the set where it's completely upside down. Oh my god! So it's so funny to see them. Hey, can you uh, like actually interacting with their environment? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's this one part where they're like, uh, y- "Yes, uh, can you throw me a beer?" And the the poor maid is throwing it, and it, you're seeing it not even reach the actors. <laughs> and it is so funny, and it's such a little thing. Yeah. And you're like, how? How did how did this person or these three people think of these little moments? It's almost like what it would be in my mind if not saying that you and I are and I'm genuine, not saying that you and I are anywhere near talented as these people. <laughs> but if you and I just had like a, a limitless budget to do a comedy and it was kind of like, hey, do what you want. Oh, yeah. One, that's terrifying. Because I just feel like, oh my gosh, there's too many things. Yes. There's there's too many things and we're not going to do anything because of that. But it's also just, it's so cool because you know all these people have got to be friends. Oh. Because there's... you can't, you just can't have that onstage chemistry that, that just can't be made up. You can't, like, you can't buy that. You can't. The amount of trust and, like, there, there's this. Oh, for that physical comedy? Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. And the timing. You have got to trust that they are going to be there. Oh, hundred percent on a few of those gags it's like oh my goodness how what how did you in the in the peter pan that goes wrong when they get on the bunk beds and they have adults playing kids (laughs) and they have john and michael and wendy and wendy is on like the middle bunk i think like michael is huge he's the jonathan sayers guy yeah and um and so they've like the bunk beds all collapse down on one another and it is (laughs) So and they just have a little bitty piece where you can just see their face peeking through. It's honestly maybe what's so fun for us to watch is it's almost like watching other actors be tortured. <laughs> yes. It's like I've been through this, but now it's at a hundred percent. Yeah, I've been on a set where like, you know, doors wouldn't open or or things went wrong or you Or like you're standing on this very scary thing that's not supposed to do what you're what making it do because exactly. you printed the set and you're like, Whoa, this is not supposed to be happening and you're being shoved on stage. You're like, This is gonna break <laughs> and then it you know You just have to go with it just and just keep like going. Hang on. Mm-hmm. Hope to God that you live. <laughs> I love yeah, this it. This is such a great. This is such a great idea that I signed up for this profession. But you know the thing, the how it, it's so hard, and people. I don't think people really understand how difficult comedy is. Yeah, it is an extreme skill. A lot of people. It's. I don't know if it's necessarily something that you can learn. To be honest, and and I think I genuinely think that if you try hard enough, you can almost accomplish anything. Yes. But um, especially if you try hard to educate yourself. But I, 
I just don't think, you know, I think that you can try really hard and study the science of comedy, but I don't think that you can do it. I don't think that just anyone can do it. I think yeah. that it, it is definitely has to be something that I don't understand, that is unspeakable, that you can feel. Yeah, especially when it comes to timing. Because there is a science to it. I'm not saying there isn't a science to it, but it is a feeling more than anything. Oh, yeah. You know, like when the audience is laughing and you're and you're giving those pauses and, and this is really hard to describe, but you're giving those pauses because you know the next thing that you're about to do is going to like one up that thing that you yeah, just said. You're about or did. to wreck shop. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you, you but really, really want to bank on is all whenever this. you are like banking on that and then it fails so oh. hard. And you're like, oh, this is a different audience. This did not land. Would you be willing to to tell people what your your biggest bomb on stage was? <sighs> yes. <laughs> yes, I would. I um I mean it's kind of hard. You know, It's that's one of those questions where you're like, I know that I've done this so many times and I can think of it eventually. But like to think of what the biggest one, I don't know what the biggest one was, but I do know some. Yeah. Um, One I can think is during Tuna, you know, with, with like more of a fresh thing mm-hmm. with you and I. But when um, I think that was more or less not really understanding or like where we are right now as yeah. a country and that show is a satire. Yes. And we had this conversation that it is very satirical and I it was when I was doing Bertha's monologue about the um oh the better Baptist bureau. What is that? The removal of the about? books from the library? Yes, when from the from the library. <laughs> the library. The library. Um it's it's when she's talking about like the uh, the TV shows they don't want shown mm. and like she's going through and she talks a lot about um, like some af- like roots when she talks about roots. Um, and I thought because the first time I had done this show was, you know, a, a, a little while ago, to be honest with you. And Would um, you say roughly a decade or <laughs> it so? It was roughly yeah. a decade. And people would like it was like they understood it. I could tell yeah. that they were not laughing at these jokes because they agreed with them. I could tell that they were laughing at them because they understood that it was ridiculous. Yeah. And that there are or were people like this and that it shouldn't be this way. And that is not the response that we got in 2018, 2019. Yeah. It's not that's no. not the response. It was definitely an uncomfortable like feeling yeah and it was, I just it was weird to be on the other it. side of that because i'm sitting here listening to these lines that are really funny yeah and you almost felt like the atmosphere get almost electric well and it was strange too because in that moment because i knew i knew like i knew the reaction mm-hmm. that was there and i could tell that people were reacting but then to basically just say okay if people are not if not everyone is laughing, if this isn't like a laugh riot, how do I still maintain what's going on and not ruin it? Yeah. Which is very, um, very much, I, I can tell as a stand-up comedian how easy it is to go the wrong way. Yep. When you feel something going bad and you stick with it and you just are like, no, I'm going to hammer this home. Yeah. 
Um, I could see how easy that is to to hit and to bomb so bad, um, and then make it onto the news. <laughs> and right. I like thankfully didn't make it onto the news, but it was definitely a like, ooh, this feels worse because you're not laughing. Yeah, which makes you me feel like you think that I feel that I don't feel this way is what I wanted to stand up and be like. Look, hello, my name is Cody Walker. I do not endorse this type of behavior. Yeah. I'm doing this as a satire. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a 45-year-old woman in Texas in the 60s. There, th- that is true. But I also have to say like, how great it is that even in our, our small community, how much we've evolved in that short amount of time, in that roughly decade Oh, yeah. Decade-ish. I mean, it is awesome that in a way people are like, uh. And, you know, before we went out and we did it, I remember thinking, you know, this section of jokes, I just don't know what how it's going to land with mm-hmm. today's audience. And I was a little worried about it, but I honestly thought, you know what, in the moment, people are going to understand that this is obviously a joke. Yeah. And it's really well written, and I was just kind of relying on that. And I just didn't really expect, I just didn't expect it. It just kind of made it like, ooh, if I ever do this again, am I going to have to cut this part out? Like, am I, are we just going to mm. move on? Like, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Because it just did. It felt like the weirdest moment of the show to me. Yeah, it it was. It you know, as the the sort of straight man in that scene, it was. Yeah, that's not fair. You just had to like stare and. Well, it was. It was watch weird. The for, yeah, it was weird for me because normally you would you would expect a really well-written moment that's really funny and the satire of it to to land so well mm-hmm. but to hear audiences like <laughs> like um, it was, i don't feel comfortable laughing at it yeah exactly and like, it was like it's funny but i shouldn't laugh it was the first time it was like no 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 hold on a minute like th- th- this is all for a joke this yeah. is very satirical like you it's okay to laugh at this yeah you're laughing at the person that you know does feel this way and that's the thing you should be doing yeah thought this way you know 20 years ago or even because you know, obviously 10 years we've ago. evolved and we're not this way anymore exactly um of course you should be horrified at the person that feels that way today in reality exactly, precisely yes but yes, yes, yes. It, it should be a joke um anyway it just that that to me like has resonated i feel like that's like sat on me for a while you know that makes me wonder if any of those guys from um uh the the show that goes wrong have ever had that moment that bombs oh like (laughs) the bit that doesn't work i'm sure that they're because their show is packed with so many things that you're like oh i expected this one to hit a little harder and it didn't yeah and you know i mean i there's nothing I, i i honestly don't think that there's a feeling better um, that I've experienced really, especially in theater, that whenever you're in a, a theater with a house full of people and everyone is laughing so hard that it's deafening. Oh, yeah. That you know that there's not a person in that house that's that's not laughing. And in that moment, you've just... It's like you've won. It's like you've won the gold medal. You're like, yep. oh, I, nothing else can compete. Exactly. It's kind of like what we were talking about last week at the end when we kind of said we would continue talking about this oh, about yeah. bringing the audience along for the ride. Oh, you talk about having them in that moment. Oh, oh my yeah. Gosh. And and when you when you're doing a show that is all about this physical comedy and it's going wrong, the more mm. that you do it. 
you're 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 literally saying to them and you're showing them this is how bad theater <laughs> yeah. happens almost well and you're in saying, a funny like, way and we're doing it like it is the show that goes wrong but in order for all of that to go wrong everything has to go right exactly and they're like doing such an amazing job of it i mean it's like thinking about it is it is to me thinking of way way back when you know charlie chaplin and buster keaton you talked about them and laurel yeah. and hardy they were all inventing this style of comedy exactly and they were doing it for real. Like Buster Keaton did all of those stunts. I don't know if you've ever watched all of oh, Buster Keaton stuff, but yes. I love Buster Keaton and the things that he did. I mean, when they dropped that house on him. What? And like you you're just like what? He did that like the grabbing the train thing? When the um drain pipe broke on the thing and he like is falling down a building. Yes. Like, what are you doing? There's no special effects. Like he's no. doing that. It's just wild, and you have to be so prepared to do it. And there's, uh, there, there's not like a ton of choreography. And then it makes for you him. really sad, also, because then his career ended with the funny thing that happened on the way to the forum, the film version of that, yeah. which was rough. And he yeah. was, he basically, it's so sad. Like all of those people just died penniless. <laughs> it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's like such a hard, horrible, horrible thing. Um, mm, but yeah, but I mean, it's and and then what is also really cool to me is that it shows that that style of comedy, even though it seems so simple to think of, like oh, this is just such an easy gag, it is so difficult to pull off. Yeah, but the simple things and the small little details are what sell it. They sell it every single time. Oh yes, and that to me is what brings your audience along with you and gets your audience to invest in what you are doing is investing in the small things absolutely the little little moments and i think we we probably touched on that the last episode and the last like the bonus 30 yeah that's <laughs> what we should call that um but it is those small moments that really make it worthwhile well and you know it's kind of like how you were talking about because uh when when they go on with the the, the play that goes wrong uh, the the guy who is the director that is not his real name he is not Chris Bean he is not the director he yeah. is a part of the show he is a, a, a writer essentially but, but the whole time he's on stage you know he's the director yes and you and you're seeing him in those moments like would you please say your line or yes. not right now or you know, <laughs> you know things that things that you could almost hear a director off stage saying. I've said all of these things. <laughs> yes. You're just like, oh, come on, man. Why? Why now? I have Why? said all these things off and on. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I might be crispy. <laughs> yes. But but you're you're so invested in in that moment, in that character, in those things that he is saying, in those things that he is doing, that you believe this is the director. No matter the character that he's playing on stage, if he's this, you know, he's reading code from World War II. He's the director. He's still the director, and you can't separate it. And and it's that that is like a high level of performance right yes. there, where you you're like, he's an actor, but he's a director who's doing the show and as an actor. He's the audience member, know it all. Yes, and you're keyed in with it, and you're following. And it's almost like you give them all the information up front. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we're running 12 minutes short, so we added all these adjectives. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, seriously, I hope that you've paused and you've gone back and you've watched. Yes. I really didn't think we were going to talk about it this long. It's just so good. It, it's 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 perfection. But maybe but even... this podcast will go down in history as the one time that two guys have sat in a room and complimented some of their what have become their idols so oh. much that they actually reach out. It 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 inspired me so much that I thought I th- I would love to sit down and write something similar yeah. to this. You want to do it? Yeah, I want to do it so bad. You know, the play that goes wrong. They actually did a tour of it, and it went through. Um, it was in, it was not, not far from us, really. I wanted to go so bad. Oh, I wanted to go so bad, but the tickets were insane. It just like couldn't oh, make it yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. When something gains that much traction, you're just yeah. like, oh, wow. And I was so, so happy because, you know, we talked, uh, in the, in the past, in our, um, in, a, in the archives, um, <laughs> you will find that we kind of had a similar conversation about indecent, um, but, you know, straight plays, they don't really have long Broadway runs. No. And it doesn't matter who is in it. And if a famous person is in it to give it traction, mm-hmm. they don't, the famous person doesn't stay no. in the show for very long. And then they move on to something else and they try to put somebody else in the role. And then hopefully, but most of the time, it, it's not going to stay open for very long by Broadway standards. And, you know, they were able to survive Tony season with a scenic design Tony and still keep going. Yeah. Because of, I think, word of mouth, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, it was just like, this is going to be the most fun that you've ever had. Yeah. And then to keep going and keep going and keep going to the point that, oh, we're now going to do a national tour of these three guys' show that they wrote and got lucky enough to have that dude from Star Trek. Yeah, sit in their audience. But it, it's one of those things like you perform, you do the art, despite who's in the audience. Like you don't. Yeah. The, the, chances are that they knew that J.J. Abrams and many of the people who were I'm involved sure with Star Wars knew the yeah. minute that that <laughs> they saw him come in. Yeah, but but you know you never know who at any given night is going to walk through the doors, and you want to give every performance a hundred percent. Oh yeah. And you want to make every person that walks in there believe that you are the director, Chris Bean, the yes. fictional character. Well, you have to, in a comedy, completely believe every single thing that you are saying. You know, I think that's one thing about um, our, you know, our last show, two guys playing 30-something characters is insane. Oh, but that's something you that you actually, told me from the, out, yeah. from the outset was like, you have to believe that every one of these people are real yeah if if the joke is that you're playing all of these people then it's not funny yes it's the the thing that is funny and heartbreaking is if they're all real Mm -hmm. which is probably i i said all of that and then i completely ruined the show when i came on as the sheriff and and just just basically made it my personal mission in life to ruin your acting career (laughs) 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 it's like what can i do to chris but, but to you make know this what? fun for me. We but had that was reached in the, the last end, and we had reached the, 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 the peak, and we had done all of the characters. Like, you knew all of the characters at that point. The sheriff was the last you know introduced I will character. say this. That was the most surprising thing out of that entire show for me, is that that scene became people's favorite. 
because because it, it is the least interesting scene in the entire show. But I think it was so much that you were doing this to mess with me. Yeah, and I was breaking, and I was trying to hold the scene. It together. was a bit relentless. Yeah, and 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 it got to the point where the audience was understanding my genuine moment Your of genuine you difficulty. Mess- yeah, like it was yeah. like, come on, you you have never done this. I don't know where that came from. It was just a very last minute thing. I just thought, you know what, this guy is a rooster, and. I'm about to strut. You even did like the, the like the leg in the ground. You were like digging in the ground with the one leg, and I thought, oh no. And then it was just like oddly sexual and strange. And, and you couldn't help yourself could but to try to make it. me break every night. I couldn't help it. And it I'm the most easily broken person. I really thought every time before I went out there, like, just do your job. <laughs> Which do is to break not, me. Yeah. Do no, no, just do your job. Don't make this about you and Chris. <laughs> And every time I failed, even our friend Tommy came up and he was like, look, (laughs) you need to think about your show. I was like, no, we're having a good time. This is great. Everybody's having a good time. But it's also like we've at that point in the show, though, we had run for an hour, 30 hour, 45, roughly or whatever. They're in on it. Yeah, they know it. Um, It is it is one of those things where I think as a performer, you can know, like, of course, you don't want to be the person that is constantly breaking on stage throughout the whole show because then it's kind of pointless. Yes. But you you do have to to know that it is live theater and you've signed up for this genuine experience. Yes. And there are going to be moments, and I'm really sorry that I'm the person that does this, but there are going to be moments that you think to do at the spur of the moment that you have never thought of before or done before, and you, for some reason, think this is now the appropriate time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I also think that, like, had so, for instance, like this, this. If exact... I would have been on stage with another person, I probably would have never felt comfortable to do. No, it, no, no, no absolutely so, like, not. There is yeah. like a trust level there. And we, we at that point, like, if I had broken thirty minutes into the show, I don't think it that one at have. the end would have been as funny. It definitely would not have. Uh-uh. But it was like people were so like in on that the joke. You think that you hadn't broken thirty minutes into the show whenever you're doing the sugar act with Charlene because you most definitely did. I was biting <laughs> so hard the inside of my cheek, and you, I was like, "Come on, man!" It's a man. good thing that wig was so big. Thank goodness you that that short was also so short. Yes, yeah. Well, I I did hear a lot of people comment about that. We're mm-hmm. very thankful, but. I think it's definitely a gift that you and I have have been given in our lives that we have been in a position of bringing so much joy. Yeah. And I think that's what's so awesome about doing a comedy. I mean, I cannot tell you how much I love doing a serious play and a drama. I mean, I love it so much. I probably, I like really feel more strongly about that than comedy, but the feeling of delivering that type of uh, excitement and happiness to an audience is it's just like immeasurable. It's it's crazy. You're how, you're getting this constant dopamine dump. Yeah. For like two hours. And one thing that I will say that is a little horrific um, is when and you know and I experienced this a lot, especially before uh, before Lexi and I. Um, started dating or before we got married and it was just me mm-hmm. and to it, it was a struggle I think for me 
to experience that joy and that like high of doing a show, be it a drama or a comedy, but I think especially a comedy, um, and to then go home and be all alone. Oh, yeah. that was so hard. And I remember it, it was that was a big struggle for me of like how do you come down? How yeah. do you like come down as a person being like, I've got this extreme success and we've we've like we've hit it out of the park and I'm like riding high and then I like we I go to the to the bar with my friends and we're like everybody's like celebrating it. They're celebrating me and the show and everything and then you go home and it's deadly quiet. I remember the first couple of times that happened to me in Chicago and it's like, I am not happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's crazy and is... And I know that's not right to think that you're getting your happiness from being with somebody. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, it yes, was yes, just yes, yes, yes. hard to figure out a way for me as like a younger person learning to be like, yes, I can still celebrate my success and my happiness and this feeling and I don't have to have somebody to do that with even though it is really nice. It is really nice, yeah. You know, the thing is, and that's what's so crazy, is that for basically three hours, you are affirmed. Yeah. It is a lot of affirmation. You you start the show, people laugh, mm-hmm. and that runs for about two hours. Then you, like you said, you go to the bar, maybe you stay an hour, hour and a half, maybe two, right? So let, let's Generous. round up to four. Right, yeah. Let's round up to four. So for four hours, you've had this constant high mm-hmm. and then you have to then go down to basically a zero yeah and there's no like ramp down where it's like people one by one are disappearing from like like the the pub or the bar or whatever and you just have to like like it's so hard because you've had all of this like out and i think this is maybe something that robin williams might have struggled with well yeah i think this is definitely why you see these people like you know chris farley and robin williams probably the most famous yeah people that you would think of off the top of your head even heath ledger in a way exactly know? like these, these people, people that have died you know basically because of their fame yeah they're self-medicating because they're getting all of these accolades and 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 like all this affirmation from people on outside sources but when that is not there mm-hmm there, there feels like there's, there's nothing, right? And and I'm not saying that you know I haven't also felt that because I've definitely felt that is why I think you and I lean into the humor to be the funny man in any kind of group situation. Well, it's definitely a coping mechanism, and I'm sure that oh, if we went into any sort of therapy, they'd be like, "Well, if you look at this point of childhood trauma, you <laughs> you have all of the uh, you know the act of 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 this." As it turns out, you're psychotic. Yeah, and. You know, when when all of that is gone and you feel like that silence is deafening in such a way that that you're, you're having a hard time dealing with the, that loss of affirmation. Right. And then it's dangerous, too, because now we live in an age where you go home and it's quiet. And this was my my problem. It's quiet. And then, of course, you, you're like, OK, well, I'm going to pour myself a drink alone mm-hmm. and then I'm going to get on Facebook and see if anyone's talking about what I just did. Yeah. And I'm going to try to look at pictures and see if anybody posted anything and what they had to say. And did they have anything nice to say? And what were the reviews that just came out on the show? I I'm, I'm, shouldn't read this. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to read it. This is a great idea. I'm going to pour another drink. And then you just like keep doing that. And it's this cycle of madness. And then you just spiral. I mean, it was very, very 
there there were some dark times mm-hmm. because of that. And it's so crazy to think that you can ride so high and on that same ride fall so low. I mean, it's just it's it's wild. It's almost like being depressed for twenty two hours of a day and then like yeah. being happy for two. It seriously is. And or you're living for like two. Pretending to be. I d I don't know. It's 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 a it's a strange, tricky thing. I think through that I learned I can at least say what I learned from it. Um the way that I found my way out of that horrible what I think is a vicious cycle is that it couldn't be the center of my universe. Yeah. And not saying that being in a relationship is everybody's center of their their universe. I mean, just some people are happy not being in a relationship. That's perfect. That's great. Um, I but mean, you are like smiling saying because that. Because you struck <laughs> this weird pose. Do you see this? I'm going to take a picture of How you right now. Don't you dare. I'm not keeping this in. I don't know why you want to take a picture anyway. <laughs> it was gorgeous. Like me. <laughs> so, but I, I will say what, what helped me come out of it was finding something for, for me to, to hang on to other than the riding high for three hours in this show and being around other actors. And I had to like think of what else made me happy. And you know, that's a really hard question, especially after you're like, okay, I have just hammered out like years at university and just pouring myself into my craft and being a perfectionist at selling myself as a performer so Mm -hmm. that people hire me and constantly being on and constantly looking for new work and for the next thing and for the next thing for the next thing and it's really hard when you get in that cycle of looking for the next thing all the time because even when you're in a show you're looking for an audition yeah you're always i'm like you have to that's the nature of the beast you have always always looking for work and so when you're constantly concentrating on your next move it's so hard to find a moment where you're like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to enjoy this yeah, right now, this moment. It is so hard not to think about future Cody and what he's doing and where he should be and yeah. the next moment and the next move. I mean, it's so difficult. And so finding like literally thinking, okay, so what are your hobbies? That was my... I was always the most terrified of that question. Mm. Like, horrible first date question. What are your hobbies? I don't. <laughs> I don't hobby. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I I perform, and you don't want to be like, my job is my hobby. It's great. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm super passionate about this thing, but I should be passionate about other things. But what are they? I don't know. That's a problem. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think for me was, was like, okay, I need to actually like sit with this and my sit with myself and figure this out. Like what is something that I enjoy to do? And that's, I think that's so important to understand, to sit with yourself and like, it's so hard when you, especially coming out of like the teenage years and those early twenties when you feel like every little thing is infinite. It's infinite. It's so important. And, and as and somebody yeah. who teaches teenagers, everything is the biggest thing. It, and it's so hard to, to... Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. But, oh. But you're feeling everything at an extreme. Like, everything is a 10. 
or or maybe even 11 but it but it's also like you just want to tell them like it's not the end of the world it's not it's it's never going to be the end of the world and that that well and then 2020 happened and it was like this is not the end it's different when it actually is the end of the world (laughs) but but i'll use like your relationship with lexi as an example like how cool is it like what what's it like maybe i should i should pose this as a question rather than how cool is it but like it's cool you you yeah right you you you, (laughs) how cool is it how cool is it (laughs) talk Um, about a joke you you come home from a show and and you've had two to three hours of this like riding high the entire time right you come home and you see that she's tired and you're like hey would you like me to put on some soup and she's like yeah and you're happy to put on the soup for her She's listening to this right now and being like, that boy's never made me soup. But but, but you know what I mean. Or I do know what yeah. you mean. You're like, hey, do you want me to put on the Great British Bake Off? Do you want me to run you a, a hot bath so you can relax? Yeah. And you're just like happy to do that for that other person. I mean, it is really amazing to have someone or something to to celebrate success with. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't tell you how awesome it was. I mean, really, that's one of those things where I've I feel so fortunate and just I I mean my life doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I really should not be here right now. I shouldn't be living in this town. I shouldn't be in Louisiana. I shouldn't be married. I shouldn't own a home. I like these things were never things that were in my book. Yeah. And it is just it, it is amazing and I think it was honestly that moment of having the self-awareness enough in this in when I was in the city to to think you know what I'm not happy and I need to change something but yeah. what is it and then I'm not like patting myself on the back or anything but it does take a lot of guts to be like I am going to completely reroute my life yeah because this is not even though I've found success in this this is not working for me mm-hmm. and so I'm going to I need to look for something else and I need to to pivot and turn this into something else, which I think has been this entire year for everyone. Yeah. But when I look back at who that person was that was walking his dog in the park off of North Claremont Street, uh, I like, I don't even know who that person was anymore. You know, I, I know who that person wanted to be. And what's really cool is that I can look at myself now and be like, this is who that person wanted to be. Yeah. And I would have never been open enough to... In that time, I mean, that's why I think that, that like, not just to talk about my relationship so much right now, but to be at a point where I am open enough to say, I, um, I'm going to open myself up to be able to accept somebody else yeah. into my life and to completely give myself over to that experience and be okay with it. Where I was not like that before. Yeah. I would not, everything was, was on a very different level. It was not, nothing was ever permanent. Mm-hmm. And then to think of, you know, just being open to the possibility of that. And then for it pretty much, and this is why I say this is not everyone's experience, but for it pretty much to be like instantaneous mm. and not when I expected it at all. And, for some weird way for you to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just to think that, you know, now like the progression of time, you know, Lexi, let's see when this airs, 
we will have just celebrated. We will two days before this airs, we will have just celebrated our second year of marriage, which is amazing. That's crazy to me because it I still remember the first time like you had invited me over to run through lines and you were like when I got there, you were all nervous, like, "Hey, hey, hey! I, I, uh, I invited this 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 girl that I'm seeing, uh, uh, Lexi, over. Uh, is that is that is that cool? Is that cool? I'd like you to meet her, but you know, is that cool?" <laughs> it was so weird. I was living in that weird little tiny house. It was so strange. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's awesome. I, mean, I, I feel it's, very. It's amazing to see your life. journey and see how far you've come, but but also to hear that that you were you were looking for this fulfillment in this thing, and that you found this, like you, you arose above that emptiness that you found in what you thought you wanted. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're constantly told or we constantly feel as performers that the only way that we are successful is to make it to Broadway or whatever, to make it to a movie or, and you know what? I, I think that, you know, with age, you just kind of realize that that's not really the be all end all. Um, and at this point in my life, I mean, I know people that are in TV shows and I know people that are, that are from like when I did theater that I've done theater with. And, um, I know people that are in, uh, movies and that are on Broadway and that are still doing work in Chicago and those kind of things. They're not on Broadway right now. They're waiting for that to open again, but yeah. you know, still, but they're like, I, and I know these people and I see their journey and their success. And then I also see the, what it is after that. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I made it to that point that I was trying to get to so hard forever that I've worked so hard for. And I'm still looking for the next thing. And ap- like after a while, I mean, I'm sure you talk to anyone, you talk to any famous person today they're going to say the same thing. Yeah. I'm still looking for the next job. Exactly. And how I can one up myself. I mean, I just, I don't know. I think I was really fortunate in the way of, um, there's this really amazing man. Um, Robbie Lehman is his name. Ross Lehman is his professional name, but Robbie was in this. Um, he had worked with Chicago shakes for a really long time. He had done Broadway. He was in, um, that production of Funny Thing that happened on the way to the forum, the mm. revival with Whoopi and um, Nathan Lane. And he was really good friends with David. And uh, so I you know, got to know Robbie, and he was honestly the funniest man on the planet. I mean, it was just hilarious. He did the best Judy Garland impersonation I've ever seen. And what was even <laughs> funnier was he did this whole thing. Like, David, when we would be doing a show, he'd be like, if, if he could tell things were getting tense, he would say hey Robbie can you show everybody and this was you know he would only do it once but it was like a one trick uh, thing that David would do every once in a while just like if people were at a tech rehearsal and it was intense he'd say hey Robbie can you get up while we're waiting for the lights to change can you get up on the stage and tell everyone your Judy Garland story so he would get up and he would do this whole story and I watched it so many times and I'm so sad because I used to have a video of it and you know phones change yes. and it's just it's gone now but i used to have this video of it and it was brilliant but he would tell this whole story about judy garland performing on a stage and and how she would sing and how they like waited for him waited for her for hours and she sang the first note and then 
passed out and he would actually pass out i mean he would like hit the deck like flat <laughs> body slam yes. and it was so funny and then after watching this so many times we were talking about it and he was like you know i never actually saw judy do that <laughs> <laughs> and i said what he was like yeah i was like four years old when this happened <laughs> I just look old now, so everybody thinks I was old enough. But my parents were there. My parents told me the story. I was just a young four-year-old gay boy. I didn't know anything. Oh, that is the best thing ever. Oh. But it was just so brilliant. But he was he was so candid and so like sweet one time. We were having a conversation, and he said, you know, I have, I have worked for these companies in the city for so long, all these companies that like I had dreamed of, of working with and, and some of them I had succeeded in working with and some of them I hadn't yet got to work with. And he was telling me about it and he's like, you know, I'm 30 years into this industry and I've done just about every single thing that a person can do. And at the end of the day, the only joy that I truly have is when I go home and I'm with my partner mm -hmm. and my family. He said, it took me 30 years to find what was really important. Yeah. And for so long, I put all of my importance to um, what the audience thought of me and what they talked about of me at home with their friends who I didn't even know. And I never got to hear these conversations and what the director or the artistic director thought of me or the casting director, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. He said, but in all reality, the only people that really matter are your family. And I was like, at the time, I think it just, it was said to me at the absolute perfect moment. Yeah. And I remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, this is true. And I didn't take it in as like, a, oh, well, that's, this is just, you know, I think sometimes as a young person, you can just kind of slough off things and just be like, yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, I'll. I'm sure I'll get there eventually, but I'm nowhere near there yet. Oh, yeah. I still have so much time. But at the time, I just heard that, and I thought, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be that. Yeah. And it's crazy, because I've worked, like, I wanted to be him. That's mm -hmm. who I wanted to be for so long. And to be at that point, I wanted to be the old actor in the room that was working, you know, at at uh, the Goodman or at Steppenwolf and to have the young actor come in and look to you for advice. That's, I wanted to be that guy. Yeah. They're like, look, I succeeded. But in reality, that's not important. No. And, you know, finding, you know, the reason why we're doing this podcast, the importance of being in a smaller community and bringing, you know, what your joy is to people that wouldn't necessarily get to experience it anywhere else. Yeah. Or at the level that you've been educated to to bring to them. So I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I'm so lucky. And you know, really today, I've been in a pretty good mood. And I think it's... You it's, are in a mood. I'm in a, I'm in a mood. Obviously, I'm in a mood. But I, I just, I think it's because from the very start of the day, you know, Lexi and I woke up and something absolutely ridiculous happened. And at 6.15, this is a really big deal. She laughed, and that's, like, massive. That's a huge moment of joy. And to be able to... Um, I will say, to get a laugh out of Lexi... In the morning. <laughs> ...is so huge. And in the morning, even bigger. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous, but it was just... 
it was so, such a beautiful. I moment. have never felt more accomplishment than when I make her actually <laughs> like. Even if I get like the shotgun laugh, like a ha. I mean, tears were rolling down her face. It was just so so good. Even when she was telling me the story, I tears know, were rolling down her face. Still so excited about it, but I just, I, I, I just that moment to me kind of carried me through the entire day, mm-hmm. and it just really made me a little bit introspective. And uh, really, when I should have been concentrating more on my job, yeah, <laughs> like you know, molding the minds of our youth. But it was like, man, I am just so happy with where we are. Even though this is probably the hardest year in the world, and there are so many difficulties in our business that uh, used to be a theater company and is now a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to be a part of that. And I'm really excited that it's a podcast. But that's still like another little joy. And I think that's that thing of pivoting, of just being like, you know what? I'm going to invest in this. Yeah. Like what we want our audiences to invest in the show. Mm-hmm. And like how we want them to trust that we're going to guide them to the right conclusion and that this is going to be funny. And if you just stick with it, it's going to be great. I think this is the same thing. It is sticking with the moment and just yeah. being like, I'm going to follow it and it'll be okay. Yeah. And hearing hearing your your tale there, it reminded me of this one lyric, and we can end right there because we're pretty close to time. Um, <laughs> it reminded me of this lyric that I've heard, and it's, um, um, I've been trying to convince myself that I'm worthwhile because I'm worth what I'll convince myself to be. It's true, yeah. And it is like you spend your whole life like wanting to be famous or wanting to do work for this company, and then you achieve that, and then you want to climb this ladder to this. Like, what's the next Never step? Ends. And and pretty much any podcast you listen to with famous people, they always talk about like, I found fame and I found money, and it didn't fulfill me in the way that I thought that it would. Yeah, and I've been searching for the next thing. And and what you what you find and i think what is so beautiful about your story there is that it is always about the people that you surround yourself with yeah well i mean and that you choose so to true. invest your time with because like i view time as currency it's true and that's the only real currency that matters because once you spend it you cannot get it back that's right i mean you're only you're only given that gift once yes and you have to understand like people are my investment and that is where I choose to spend my time, which mm-hmm. is my money. And and I think that that's so awesome that, you know, you you have someone like Lexi who wakes up at 6.15 and and can laugh at you at, you know, this well, early now, in the morning. That was the first and maybe the only time throughout, you know, maybe eternity that that will ever happen. But it was at least special. Enough. You know what? It'll live on in infamy. It will definitely always be a part of our story, which is kind of a really cool moment. Um, you know, and you're part of that too, though. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, there's so much stock in having the right people around you at the right time mm-hmm. and oh, also yeah. just saying goodbye. Oh, and I think we've talked about that before, but having the strength and the, uh, I don't, I don't know. Courage. Courage is really the thing to yeah. be like, you know what? Peace be with you. i'm i'm uh i'm gonna leave this because this is not serving me yeah and uh i'm gonna go and spend time with people who are gonna show up for me yeah understanding that people are that that you're investing your time in are not investing their time into you yes and it's so hard to recognize that because you're like i i i think you're a good person but not good for me exactly yeah 
next, next for sure. Um, so do you have a uh, do you have a a, a a neat little like ten? Let's say five seconds of a song that you want to write for us right now. Um, here you go. I'll give you a song. I'll give you the title of the song. Okay. And then I want you to sing five seconds of the song. Okay. E- even if it's just the intro beat. Okay. Um, okay, so th- and this might fail. This is one of those things where you take a, a leap of faith. Um, so this song <laughs> is called um, I Wanna But I Canna, I Wish I Coulda, But I Didn't. I Wanna But I Canna, and I Wish I But I Couldna. Terrible. It was an absolute failure. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on that. We're I'm gonna we're gonna like reach in. I think maybe a banjo. Next time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, what everyone, that was me? Cody. Oh. Hey. That's Chris. Thank you. Toodles.